Welcome to Dream Gardens, where we talk up the children's books we love. My name is Jody Lima, and on this twice-monthly podcast, hosted on the first and third Monday of each month, I interview other kids' books enthusiasts about their own favorite children's books. Today, I'm going to be interviewing Judith L. Roth, and we are going to be talking about her recent picture books, Hiding Baby Moses and Venetian Lullaby. Uh, we're also going to be talking about a book by one of my favorite authors, uh, Flora and Ulysses, The Illuminated Adventures by Kate DiCamillo. Uh, but first, as always, I'm going to start with a poem. Uh, actually, I'm going to start with two poems. They are both written by Douglas Florian. And these are ones I found in his poetry book, Handsprings. At least where I am, the weather is starting to get a little warmer, and there are a few hints of spring popping up the ground. And so these two poems seemed appropriate. Uh, the first one is called What I Hate About Spring, and the second is called What I Love About Spring. What I Hate About Spring Thunderstorms, insect swarms, spring cleaning, fixing screening, pollen spores, mud outdoors, bumblebees, skinned knees, hot and humid days in June. I hate that spring goes by too soon. What I Love About Spring Trees are growing, streams are flowing, cool spring showers, blooming flowers, caterpillars creep, peepers peep, playing sports, wearing shorts, April fools, swimming pools, going places, relay races, days are longer, sun is stronger, every morning songbirds sing, I love nearly everything. My guest today is Judith L. Roth, author of such books as Goodnight Dragons, Serendipity and Me, and the recently released picture book, Phoenician Lullaby. Her latest book is another picture book called Hiding Baby Moses. You can find her website at judithlroth.wordpress.com. Uh, thank you for joining me today, Judith. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Now, can you talk a little bit about uh, first this picture book, Hiding Baby Moses, which I did have the pleasure of reading. Uh, and I know this is a, a very familiar story. And so I'm wondering, could you talk a little about uh, what it is? And uh, well, let's start with that. You know, what, what basically is this book about? So this is a retelling of the story about Moses when he was hidden in the reeds by his mother, because at that time, Pharaoh had proclaimed that any baby Hebrew male was supposed to be thrown into the river. So it's a very dramatic story, and it's told from the viewpoint of his sister Miriam. And uh, where did what is sort of the origin of deciding that this is this particular story was something you wanted to turn into um, or to retell it for children? Well, to be honest, I wrote this over fifteen years ago, the first version, and so I lost that bit of information about why I decided to do that. But my guess is that uh, because it is a dramatic story. And it is a story that the main characters are, are really kids, that it would make a good picture book. And the story is really told from the point of view of a younger sister. And I, I imagine that uh, for kids, having um, you know a young person be the focal point is really important for them rather than an, an adult point, uh, point of view. Yeah, that's most picture books are, are in that viewpoint from a, from a child rather than from an adult. There are some that are from an adult, but yeah. 
And, and I did notice that, that uh, there's this the song that at the end it's sort of referenced throughout the book, uh, the shelter of God's wings. And I'm not familiar uh, with that. Is, is, is that an actual song, or is that something you created? I, I I just hadn't heard of that before. Well, it's an actual song now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I wrote I wrote that to, for for this book. I had originally started with um, having the mother as they were walking through the marketplace trying to shield the baby so nobody knew they were carrying him or, you know, kind of how, how you whistle as you're pretending nothing suspicious is going on. So she was, uh, the mother was singing a song that uh, was a piece of scripture from the old Testament. And my editor suggested that a, a refrain throughout the book would be a good idea. So I wrote the song. Um, my husband helped. We've written many children's songs together. So that was pretty natural to do. And it's based on the theme of it is God's shelter. And so I looked through Psalms and Isaiah for some images of uh, God's shelter, and I wove those into a song. And then I listened to some um, Hebrew songs on YouTube and found out what mode they're usually in and tried to, tried to put the melody in that mode. So you can find that at the end of the book and with notation if you, if you want to sing the song with the, the melody that it belongs to. And some chords, too, if you want to play along as well. Yeah, some guitar chords, yeah. Now, the illustrator is uh, Melanie Cataldo. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm wondering, I, as I've talked to many uh, picture book authors, and there's um, there's a variety of different ways people work with illustrators. Sometimes it's uh, the writer pro- just writes the text, and it's provided to, to the illustrator, and there's there's not really any communication. You sort of just find out what the illustrator is. Sometimes there is a bit of communication that's going on. I'm wondering, what was it in, in your case? Was there a back and forth, or was it you provided the text, and then the illustrator sort of used that to create their own illustrations? Well, with every picture book that I've done, um, I've provided the text and the editor has had a vision of what they wanted it to look like. And they found an illustrator and then whatever conversations that were had were with between the editor and the illustrator or the editor and me. I've never spoken to an illustrator about the book as they were making it. I think that's a very common thing uh, with picture books, at least uh, it's occasionally a little bit different, but I understand that that's that's a fairly common thing. Um, and you do have uh, another picture book uh, coming, also coming out uh, this year, uh, Venetian Lullaby, and I have not had a chance to read this one. So can you tell me a little bit of what that one is about? Yeah. So I love Venice, and so I wrote a picture book about Venice where a baby is uh, needing help going to sleep, and since there are no cars to help, you know, sometimes parents put kids in the car to ease them to sleep. There are no cars in Venice. So the papa takes the baby for a gondola ride. And so it's a lullaby, um, looking at all the different views of Venice from the gondola, told in rhyme. It's my own picture book that's published that's told in rhyme, so that's a little different. I said, this is, you said uh, you've been to Venice yourself, so it's based on your own experience? Yeah, I've, I've been several times, just because I love it so much. It's, it's just a magical city. And uh, the illustrator did a really good job in making it look magical, too. Who was the illustrator for that, by the way? Kendra Benny. And that's coming out uh, uh, just roughly about the same time, or it's it's already come out, correct? It's, yeah, it came out uh, January 19th. 
And that's something I, I don't know if that's uh, unusual to have two picture books coming out in such close proximity uh, to each other, if that's kind of exciting or a little nerve wracking to have two books so <laughs> close to each other. Yes, all of those things. It's not usual and it's a little nerve wracking, but it's also exciting. I would have liked it to be spread out a little bit more, but it's, it's nice to have them both out. I imagine so. I imagine so. Uh, now, the book you picked as one of your own particular favorite uh, kids' books uh, is uh, Flora and Ulysses, uh, The Illuminated v Adventures, uh, which was written by Kate DiCamillo, um, who I have to say is one of my favorite writers. Uh, and this book was illustrated by K.G. Campbell, and this was published in 2013. Uh, for readers who might not be familiar with Flora and Ulysses, um, can you talk a little bit of what that book is about? Yeah, it's uh, it's what I think is called a hybrid book in that it has more than one form in it. It's got some comic book panels, and it's also the novel, and it's told from two different viewpoints, from Flora's viewpoint and then Ulysses, who's the squirrel. And the squirrel gets uh, vacuumed up by this super vacuum and gains superpowers, but is also wounded at the time. And so Flora saves his life. And so he becomes a superhero and she loves superhero comics for all of her frame of references for everything. The books really has to do with superhero comics and, uh, and also the terrible things can happen to you bonus comic issues. So it's, um, it's just a really fun and very charming book. The way it's put together is just, is just perfect. When did you first come across this book? Um, well, I, I keep an eye on what she writes because she's so, such a wonderful writer. And so um, when it came out, I think is when I came across it. Uh, now, uh, speaking of uh, Flora, who's one of the main characters, and the, the one word she likes to describe herself as is cynic. That's her favorite sort of uh, self-description. But I, I don't know. How, how would you describe her as a, as a character, uh, apart from being, you know, this self-described cynic? Yeah, she calls herself a cynic, but then she thinks that, you know, romance novels that her mother writes, that's just silly. And she kind of uh, puts off the idea that somebody like her would need to be loved. But she's really, she feels unloved by her mother. Her mother puts all of her energy into her silly little lamp, shepherdess lamp, who she calls Mary Ann, and she just loves so much. And uh, Flora says, you know, she never told me that she loves me that much. And so she's, I would call her wistful. She doesn't realize how much her dad loves her and she finds out, but she's also very analytical. She always wants to be rational about things. Uh, her cynicism is almost kind of a shield for her to protect herself in some ways um, because yeah. she's not sure how people will take her, particularly her parents. Yeah. Now, the other main character is, of course, Ulysses, as it says in the title. Uh, and I don't know how you describe him. And I'm just wondering, too, um, there's something, you know, it seems important that he's a squirrel in this book. And I can't, I'm not sure I can explain why him being a squirrel as opposed to any other animal just kind of works here. So I don't know if that's, uh, if uh, you have any thoughts on that. <laughs> <laughs> I had not thought about that. But that might be... Um... If it had been a different kind of animal, like a domestic animal, then it wouldn't have worked for the plot because her mother thinks the animal is diseased. And a lot of times people are worried about wild animals, that they might have something, some rabies or something. 
So being a squirrel, it was there in the yard to get sucked up by the vacuum cleaner. And some people might think that it's diseased. So that works for the plot. Maybe that's why it needs to be a squirrel. It's also just a very common animal that we see all the time, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm when I, reading this, you know, Ulysses gets sucked up and he starts to develop these uh, superpowers. But in many ways, you could read this almost it's, it's like a parody of a superhero story. I mean, the main villain is kind of Flora's mother who wants to get rid of the squirrel. And Ulysses, I guess, has some superpowers, like he can sort of fly. But another superpower is that he can write poetry, which is not your typical sort of superpower. Uh, that you see. So I, I, in some ways, it's sort of a little parody of a superhero story, too. Yeah. Well, I th- that's his best superpower, I think, that he can actually type on a typewriter or a computer and write poetry. That's a great superpower. And it's very important to him. Yeah. Or at least it's it's his way of trying to figure out or discover or explain, I guess, the world to himself and others. And the experience that happened to him, it seemed to have enlightened him to the largeness and the beautifulness of the world. And I, I, I'm thinking part of the story, you know, we talked talked a little bit about, you know, uh, it's uh, her relationship with her parents um, who are divorced. And it's not a good, you know, it's it's an awkward and, you know, complicated relationship with her parents. And I'm wondering, even more than a superhero story, when I read this novel, I thought, this is, in many ways, this is a novel about being a child of divorced parents and what that's what that means and what that feels like. It's, it, it, I'm just thinking, you know, that uh, it's it's it just sort of deals with those, um, you know, that sort of conflict between uh, parents and wanting to, you know, not sure how to feel about them and um, and what the relationship is and the res- res- sort of resentment that goes on sometimes too about the whole situation. She's resents her mother in some in many ways and um and wants to be with her father but at the same time her father's not a perfect person either i think she really feels the loss of her father because you know they had those special times together always reading the comics together and he's he just can't be there for her anymore because he's not the one she's living with and that's that turns out to be one of the turning points when she gets so mad at her mother that she says she's going to live with her father I mentioned before, like Kate D. Camillo is like one of my favorite writers uh, too. And and what's interesting, she has such a deceptively simple prose style. You know, nothing complicated is really going on. Of course, a lot is. I'm wondering what other writers might learn from her. You know, she she it's 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 just sort of these simple sentences, and yet there's 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 this all this going on underneath with her. Yeah, and one of the things that she does so well is each of these characters are so unique. And if you if you read just the dialogue of one of the characters, you would know who it was. She just captures their voices so well. I think too, she, each one is associated with a particular phrase or sort of a repeated phrase. And so you get used to, you know, identifying who that character is. And, and of course, a phrase that has something, you know, that sums up their, something particular about their character as well. And the mother is interesting, too, because she starts out to being a villain, but sort of a little bit of change um, towards the end, too. So yeah. it's, it's not a typical superhero story in that way where the villain is vanquished in some way. Right. And most of the most of the characters do some growing instead of just the character arc of the main characters. 
And, and and part of the, as you mentioned before, it's sort of a, a, a you know this book. It's both a combination of prose, and it has these uh, not throughout the book, but in certain particular sections, it'll sort of revert to uh, these paneled um, drawings with um, you know text, uh, sort of a comic, almost like a comic book style. Um, you know, throughout the book. So I'm just wondering what you think the the, the illustrations, this sort of intermittent, um, you know, visual f- storytelling that pops up now and then, and what that brings to the story. Well, it just adds an extra an extra dimension to it, and it goes along so well with um, her love of comics, and it's it's funny, and it really gives you a good idea of what's going on with the squirrel, for instance. I think for young kids too, just uh, that sometimes that uh, a visual breakup um, just uh, helps to get them more engaged in the story and, and helps them to sort of you know continue on to the prose sections uh, to, uh, to give them that little sort of boost as well. I, I want to ask uh, too. Um, I'm always fascinated by titles of books, and uh, this one, well, Flora and Ulysses, that's pretty obvious. Uh, you know, it's about those two main characters. Uh, but it's Flora and Ulysses, The Illuminated Adventures. And I was just kind of curious about that word, illuminated. It's not The Illustrated Adventures, anything like that, but illuminated. And I know how Kate DeCamille is very specific about word choices. I don't know if that one kind of stuck out to you as what she's... So I always think sometimes titles are trying to tell us or, or point us in a direction or at least, you know, um, give us an idea of maybe how to read. I don't know if that struck you at all about just... I don't know. It's just the sort of thing that I noticed is that one particular word and trying to figure out why it was there in the title. It's just an unusual word. Well, for one thing, it's like the um, the comics that they read all the time, the illuminated adventures of the amazing incandesto. So I imagine it's from that. But yeah, when it's something's illuminated, I think it, it gives more, um, an illustration is just pictures, but an illumination gives you more of an understanding. You, I think you mentioned before the, the the squirrel is sort of trying to, you know, in some ways I think about the squirrel and trying to get sort of illumination or understanding of what the world means. Um, I don't know if that's what she had in mind as well, or maybe more than one thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that could be. Um, is there a part of the book, um, and I realized I, I completely forgot to ask if there was a part of your own book um, uh, to share as well. So uh, why, don't we, uh, why don't we share, uh, there's part of Flora and Ulysses you want to share, and then I'm going to ask you if we can go back to Hiding Baby Moses and maybe share a bit of that. Uh, but why don't we start with uh, Flora and Ulysses. Is there a part of uh, that book you'd like to share? Yeah. Um, this is right after the uh, the next door neighbor gets outside with her vacuum cleaner that she didn't really want for her birthday in the first place, the super vacuum cleaner. And Flora is realizing that something terrible is going to happen. And so she's banging on the window and she says, she said the words and then she had a strange moment of seeing them hanging there over her head. You're going to vacuum up that squirrel. There's just no predicting what kind of state sentences you might say, thought Flora. For instance, who would ever think you would shout, you're going to vacuum up that squirrel. It didn't make any difference, though, what words she said. Flora was too far away. The vacuum cleaner was too loud. And also, clearly, it was bent on destruction. This malfeasance must be stopped, said Flora in a deep and superheroic voice. This malfeasance must be stopped was what the unassuming janitor Alfred T. Slipper always said before he was transformed 
into the amazing incandesto and became a towering crime-fighting pillar of light. Unfortunately, Alfred T. Slipper wasn't present. Where was incandesto when you needed it? So then the squirrel gets sucked up and poof, womp, holy bagamba, says Flora. It's always such a great phrase, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I said, I, I, I completely forgot uh, to ask you about sharing part of your own book, Hiding Baby Moses. Okay, I'll just, I'll read the first three paragraphs of it. Last night, Mama plastered tar all over a baby-sized basket. Now she checks to see if the tar is dry, and she cries. We've hidden my brother inside for three long and short months. Long for keeping a baby secret. Short for enjoying his sweetness. If he's found, they'll take him. But Mama says, God will hide him in the shelter of a rock. She dries her tears, swaddles my brother, and places him in the basket. One last kiss, then on with the lid. And then they go through the marketplace to take the baby down to the reeds to hide him. I just realized there was a question I forgot to ask you. You said before that this book, um, it, you started like 15 years ago. And I'm wondering, was it just something that you started and set aside or just something you brought out every once in a while to tinker with a little bit? Or just uh, like sometimes authors have books they work on, they sort of shelve and they almost forget about. Or is it just something you brought out every once in a while? To uh, What was the the process there? Yeah, I tinkered with it a little bit. Um, but mostly, um, I submitted it to a few places, and the I think a bigger revision came after the editor at Flyaway um, said they were interested and wanted to know if I was interested in doing a revision based on what she suggested. And so that's it's always easier to tinker with it when you know exactly, or not exactly, but when you have more of an idea of what um, an editor is interested in changing. Sometimes getting that outside point of view can really help you see it with new eyes. Yeah. I have critique partners, and so I get different different uh, eyes on things all the time. But everybody has a different idea. And when you have somebody who's going to actually be, you know, possibly offering to buy it, then it's, <laughs> it's something that you want to revise towards. They really listened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Judith, uh, thank you so much uh, for uh, coming on here today to talk to me about your book, Hiding Baby Moses. And, and like I said, I'm glad I had a chance to read it as well. And also to talk to me about Flora and Ulysses. I'm always happy to talk about anything written by Kate DiCamillo. Uh, so thank you for giving me a chance to talk about that and to give me a chance to reread it as well. Yeah, thank you. You can find Judith's website at judithlroth.wordpress.com. Thank you for joining me on Dream Gardens. The theme music, titled All Together, is provided courtesy of Purple Planet Music. You can visit them at www.purpleplanet.com. Podcast cover art was created through Canva, which can be found at www.canva.com. You can find the Dream Gardens podcast website at jleemott.com and my author website at jodyleemott.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at dreamgardensjlm. The Dream Gardens podcast is available through iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, please comment, share, or subscribe. And until next time, keep dreaming, keep growing, and keep reading. <laughs>